On today's show, a lot of heartburn over the proposed food tax increase. And the question, censure over impeachment. Representative Ben McAdams is on the censure train. Tune in Monday through Thursday, 9 to 11 for Dave and Dijanovic. I'm Scott Trout, CEO of the domestic litigation firm Cordell & Cordell. We help men deal with the life changes triggered by divorce, such as child custody and property division, among many others. But life changes also occur after divorce. These changes can make parts of your existing court order irrelevant or harder to follow. If you feel a modification to your court orders might be necessary, talk to us at Cordell & Cordell. We're a partner men can count on. Contact CordellCordell.com, 1065 East Hillsdale Boulevard, Suite 310, Foster City, California, 94404. Welcome to Innovation and Leadership. I'm Jess Larson. This is part two of our interview with Jeff Cook. In order to make sure that I had enough activity to to be able to then seek investment down the road. So, you know, a lot of times there is a fuse uh, and and you only have so much money and you basically have to make it work before that runs out. And so, um, you know, the way I think about it is a lot of it comes down to retention. CEO of... um... Many, many apps, but the, the meat group um, on NASDAQ uh, is the is the symbol M-E-E-T. Is that is that right, Jeff? Yeah, that's correct. Okay. Meat. Yeah. Meat. Sorry. Uh, so um, if you missed part one, please go back and, and hear about that. Uh, go through some of the background that we've covered already. Um, but as we jump into this next part here, Jeff, um, I want to I continue talking about what we left off on part one and talking about novelty and you know, this idea of, you know, being Ernst & Young Entrepreneur of the Year, starting a company in your Harvard dorm room that you sell for millions of dollars at age 24, sell your second company for $100 million. you know, Meat has a market cap today, about $400 million. Um, You know, I brought up that, you know, it's obvious that you know something about customer acquisition. Um, and I would love to hear more about this thought of novelty, because as I think about, you know, our consulting firm, we have so many different kinds of clients. We have you know, all the people who've been on the last 250 episodes of our podcast. Um, I hear a real temptation to, for people to say, well, this worked for them. So I'm going to try and learn from that pattern. And we're going to do that too. And there's an element of wisdom to that. But there's also the problem of, yeah, but that was, that's already been done. Right. Uh, can, can you talk about novelty and unexpectedness and, and, uh, you know, legitimate differentiation instead of just claimed differentiation? Yeah, I mean that's a great question. I, I think that um, it, you you essentially, and it's, it's a hard hard answer, but you, you kind of have to do both, right? You, you have to be aware of the competitive landscape. What in my case, you know, what is t- Tinder and Bumble doing? Um, because there there are some interesting innovations, and, and and also a more broad landscape. What is Facebook and Instagram doing? Um, because th- th- that you know kind of defines what best practice looks like. But if that's all you're doing, you know, th- there's not really much hope for you. So, like, I-, I tend to look at it as you have to be doing some things. Certainly, borrowing good ideas from big players is is a good idea. Like, th- th- it would be hard to say anything other than that. Um, if you're not paying attention to the broader landscape, um, you're doing yourself a disservice. Um, but you know. To your point, you're not going to break through and really build anything unique if that's all you do. Um, now, there is an interesting, I think, caveat to that, which, um, and I mentioned kind of these businesses are, are somewhat like reinventions. Like my yearbook became Meet Me, um, went from uh, you know, a VC-backed company to um, to then um, 
you know, a public company. And, and these, there's these periods that are very different. Um, what we've uh, been focused on um, right now is basically adding this live streaming service. And it's not like I, we, we, we went up to the mountaintop and said, oh, here's this amazing idea that we've had originally first for the, for the very first time. Um, no, actually, I was in Beijing um, in 2016 and had uh, uh, t spoken with a number of companies and a number of people there and got to see this company, Momo, um, that was really adding, was just growing so fast, adding live streaming to dating. And... And I would say I didn't get it for the first, you know, two or three months uh, of this, and and didn't jump on it instantly. It wasn't. It wasn't like even after I saw it, I thought, oh, what a great idea. Um, it was kind of after they kind of started talking about just how powerful it was, and then I started to understand the product intuition behind it, which is in these dating and meeting communities, there's often a period of time where there's just not enough people to to chat with. Well, like, you know, not enough chats are coming in. Um, and in those periods of time, live streaming is something that's very similar to the reason that you're there on that dating meeting app to begin with, which is to meet new people. Um, you know, you, you get some connection to other human being. And so um, that was, I, so, so to answer long-winded way of answering your question, like we actually found the model in China um, for for this, and we were the first to really bring it to a Western audience. Both when we did it for Meet Me um, for the U.S. and for uh, Lavu when we did it in Europe. Um, and so the novelty was because we were actually paying attention at that time to something that was going on in Asia. And in China and live streaming, has, China has spent so much more on R&D in live streaming than any company in the United States. Um, that is the streaming world right now. Um, and I would argue increasingly of the social world. You know, Facebook's following what, Facebook, what WeChat is doing uh, with respect to its messaging strategies. And so, you know, China... China is, um, you know, is a source of a lot of novelty. There's a lot, it's a huge market that allows rapid innovation, rapid things to either fail or, 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 or succeed. Um, and so, so, you know, I, I think we don't, now that we've built this, this live streaming platform though, we don't say, okay, what else is China doing? Let's go do that. Um, because there's, it's not as easy as that. You have to, kind of say, well, how does this work for my audience, what my users are doing, and what can I be creating that might not exist in China? Because you know, now we've kind of closed a lot of the gap with the product. What, what do you build now that, that, that China may not have thought of? Or um, you know, at the same time, you know, we have China's, Chinese speakers on, on staff just to help us dissect what is going on um, in China every, every month. So we'll, we'll dissect all the core live streaming apps and what they've added and, and changed. I love it. Um, well, changing gears just a little bit, um, when you think about this track record that you've had uh, building and selling companies, now the CEO of a, a large publicly traded company, um, there's so many folks. I mean, I think about, um, you know, you and I went to school pretty similar years. Um, I think about how many folks nowadays are interested in entrepreneurship compared to back when we were in university. And, um, it's a lot more desirable. It's a lot more mainstream. You know, it's it's cool according to the media now, right? Um, yeah. When you think about how many of the rest of us would like to achieve what you've achieved, what do you think you've done different? Because there's a lot of people who want it bad. There's a lot of people who work hard. What do you what do you attribute some of your success to, or what are some lessons the rest of us could learn from? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, that's a it, it, it's it's tough. I mean, 
I, I think that's a thousand a, things I'm sure, but sure. you always hear luck and, 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 and that's because, um, you know, I, I started in 1997 and, um, it's kind of the beginning of e-commerce. Um, and yeah, I was a student at Harvard. Um, but, um, I happened to be in a good time where I like across my hallway, literally someone is building an e-commerce site for, um, golf clubs. Um, and so entrepreneurship was kind of in the environment. Um, yeah, I, I got to work for um, an internship that, uh, that, that helped me understand uh, at least like what, we, what, what went into it. And I tend to be this kind of person who just keeps pushing the ball up the hill, right? So like I would say um, I'm, I'm pretty good at dealing with kind of the ambiguity of having not really knowing exactly where it's going to end up but knowing what, or at least having some good product intuition for what I want to be doing. And so I would say I, I, I'm guided by that product intuition um, quite a bit. So, it's, you know, I'll, and I'll be single-minded on two or three things um, and let other people worry about, you know, everything else, you know, as, as the business grew, at least. Yeah, I had that, that, that benefit. Um, so, you know, I, I, I come from a product perspective of just about everything um, I do, and, and I tend to um, go very deep in the weeds on the things that I think um, can drive uh, you know, the most substantial beta. Now, sometimes I'm wrong, um, but, um, but that, you know, that, that, that tends to be how, how I've done it. I, I've also asked myself the question a few times, which is, you know, it, it often seems to me that big companies and, and um, you know, even Facebook and, and others like that have a hard time you know, creating what that next standalone app would be, despite having all the money and all the cross-promotional capabilities and all the teams and, and smarts in the world, you know, and, and why is that? Why, why is the, the guy in the... Yeah, yeah, why do you think? And, and I think it's because good ideas often take so many different turns to get there. Right. So like a, a big company with six scrum teams or in our case, like 12 plus scrum teams, you know, the engineering teams, they're going to have to prioritize the projects that get done. And it's going to be hard to say, well, your idea, wait, it, it failed two, two times um, over the last, you know, so you spent like the last 24 months failing and you want to fail again. You know, it, it, it's, it's not it, it's very difficult to resource that. Um, versus saying um, when you're an entrepreneur, you know, gee, I'm, I'm half a million into this idea and I'm not ready to let it die. There's something here, so I'm gonna do, I'm gonna go do this instead. Um, and this capability to um, to kind of change um, the you know, and people call it pivot. Often it's not a dramatic pivot. Um, it's you know, um, kind of a, a but it, but it, it's enough of a change that, that has you kind of looking at the full field and saying, you know what, if I do this, maybe I'll have a better chance at, at success. And I think that's I think that has a lot to do with it, like having having a gun to your head um, and not having blinders on where you say, well, I have to build something that looks exactly like this or else it doesn't work. Uh, you know, I've seen and heard entrepreneurs in big gaming companies talk about like actually doing something like what I just said, like. Here, I'll take a good product guy. I'll say, here's your budget, and you have three years build something, right? <laughs> so, um, and like that, that's sort of what you need to do to come up with um, like what innovation. Like you need plenty of time to fail 
And I think it's hard for big companies to, to resource that because often you have so many things that aren't going to fail <laughs> in front of you, like that you think are, are very high likelihood of driving that ball, you know, up the up that hill a couple of percentage points. Um, and so how do you resource a thing that's likely to fail when you can resource a thing that's probably good for $5 million next year? You know, so, so many, so many great points there, you know, having, having some single-minded focus, you know, uh, treating it like you have a gun to your head, but without blinders on, you know, that kind of unwavering, like commitment to the product, you know, is it, it sounds like, is this actually doing for the customer what I say it does for them? You know, is it actually as helpful as we think it is? You know, so many great elements there. Um, I want to ask you in your mind, if you had to apply those elements to marketing, for instance, you know, there's so many folks, like you said, in the early days, they're scrappy, they're getting customers any way they can. And then maybe they get some funding, or maybe they get some success. And now they want to grow at a higher rate. And, you know, if they're, if they're not a high ticket item, and they can't, you know, it doesn't make sense to have a big outbound sales team or something like that. And they're looking at the world of marketing. Um, In your mind, there's, you know, I'll just make the observation. There's so many folks that have gone crazy with their marketing bets and it puts them out of business or something yeah. like that. How, what, what's some decision-making criteria or how do you, what advice would you have for, you know, having the guts to try something new, to experiment um, without, without being silly? Yeah, I mean, and, and I would in the early days of my yearbook, you know, I, I felt like I was being silly with the, the, the mar- I was spending, um, a lot before we found um, that quiz strategy. Um, but I, I also felt the need to spend at least at some level of threshold in order to um, in order to make sure that I had enough activity to, to be able to then seek investment down the road. So, you know, a lot of times it, there is a fuse uh, and, and you only have so much money and you basically have to make it work before that runs out. And so, um, you know, the way I think about it is a lot of it comes down to retention, right? So, um, you know, at least in consumer apps, um, and which is what I t- typically build, you know, what is your day two retention? You, you know, what is your day 30 retention? Um, if you can't get your day two retention to, you know, 40 to 50% or better, you probably don't have a good idea, right? Like, and, and, and it, it might be expensive to go figure that out. You have to go build the product. Um, you have to fill it with, some some modest set of users, um, but you know if, if you're if you don't think that you have a pathway there because you're out of the gate you're at fifteen to twenty percent you know it's hard to come up with something that's going to drive retention more than two or three x yeah um, and but but I I tend to think of it as look I you know maybe I'll spend ten thousand there's a new idea I'll spend ten thousand dollars a month on marketing you know I'll spend twenty thousand dollars a month on an offshore team. To, to pursue the idea. Um, and, you know, if, if I can get day 30 retention to 20%, then I've got an absolute blockbuster. Now, the odds of getting to day 30 retention at 20%, very, very, very low. But, um, you know, 10, 10 or 15% wouldn't be so bad. And, and that might at least be viable. Um, but if you're looking at it, well, it's probably not even viable. And so I don't need to spend another $100,000 to figure that out. Uh, you know what? You cut out for just a second there, Jeff. Can you say that last thing one more time? Oh, so I wouldn't need to spend, you know, if you're at five or 6% retention, you wouldn't need to spend an extra, you know, $100,000, extra million dollars to figure it out. So, yeah. you know, it, if you're really focused on the retention metrics and the funnel, you know, you don't have to um, spend as much. You still have to spend a lot and it's going to be painful um, whenever you're spending on something that you're not sure is going to work out. But, um, 
you know, it, it, it helps you de-risk it at a, at a much lower scale of payment. And then when you, if you do get to some, some very big retention number, then you say, okay, now I have the mousetrap. Now I'm going to go try to fill the top of the funnel um, in, in various ways. So I want to think about this, uh, this, this idea of fill, filling the funnel in, in various ways. You've, you know, you've, you've focused on the product. You are getting those retention numbers that are making sense. You, know, it's, you do have a good idea, right? Let's say you get to that point. Now, yeah. when it comes to filling the top of the funnel, you know, and this is just an observation. Tell me if you see it different. It seems like there's a lot of folks who they've got this appetite for risk when it comes to the engineering of a product and spending the money to try to build something that we hope people like. And we're getting our MVPs that we're testing and stuff like that. And then when it comes to a world they're less familiar with, like sales or marketing, um, you know, that maybe that isn't their background, there can I, I notice um, sometimes some clamming up. Like, you know, you talked a little bit ago about some willingness to fail so that you can learn, you know, what marketing recipe actually fills the top of our funnel. Any advice for, for helping people have some comfort zone experimenting and, and having some failure in this, you know, in an area they feel less confident about like marketing? Yeah. I mean, I would say that it's it, whatever that strategy is. And, and I think it, again, it comes down to product intuition. So, you know, marketing strategies also come down to product intuition, Right. Um, and so, you know, give an example that is fairly recent today. So PodCoin, right? Um, how do you get a podcast player? There's, there's Apple is playing in the podcast space, Spotify. How, how do you get anyone to care about some new podcast player? Um, and so you can pay people in loyalty points, and, and maybe that's a novel idea, but how do you get that concept to come out into the, into the world? And so, you know, what we have found is that if you trade promotion of your pod, you know, right now PodCoin has six, seven hundred thousand listening minutes a day. If you tr- if you say, well, we're going to promote the podcasts that work with us, that have claimed their podcast and and maybe want to reach their community here. Um, but it, here's what we ask of you: do a mid roll or do a post roll. Do 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 do, mm-hmm. do some form of, of notice to your community. Um, suddenly they're getting some value. Um, and, and are you guys paying on a CPM rate or what's, what are you paying on there? Uh, we're, so we're not, we're not paying anybody anything. Uh, oh, okay. We're basically just saying, look, we're going to give you listeners. Um, if you, um, uh, you know, work with us and, 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 and do a mid roll. Now, okay. now these aren't necessarily, you know, um, well-known podcasts. Um, but, but it, it, it's, it's an example of what I'm getting at, which is like, can you get your users to especially your early users to become marketers, right? Mm. The consumer app space, like that's really what you want. And there's different ways of designing that. You know, in the early days of Facebook hyper virality, um, people were, were just all about uh, the Facebook platform and can you drive, um, uh, you know, sharing within that you know, there was a there was a day and age of, of email address book virality. Most of those are days are over, right? Mm-hmm. Like platform virality is not not there, um, and that's why kind of all that's left is this novelty variety, uh, this novelty kind of virality. And um, and so we, we spend a lot of time thinking about that, but then also thinking about okay, how do you get these early users to want to share this this novel concept? Because okay, it, it might be novel, but that doesn't mean that anyone necessarily cares. Um, (laughs) yeah right right interesting well um you know it's funny uh how many different levers right like there there's so many elements of that equation um and i I really appreciate you kind of laying it out that way you know 
it makes me want to like go back and listen to my own episode and write all those down and start scoring myself <laughs> on different ones as I think about stuff. Um, well, maybe to close out here, um, you know, you get you get uh, covered by the media a lot. What's what's a question that people don't ask you that that, that you wish they would, or what's what's a soapbox item? What's what's something that you're passionate to talk about? Maybe to close here. I mean, I I, I think. You know, I, I'm typically asked mo- mo- you know, mostly about, and, and I would say I'm probably not very covered by the media, but but we're, we're I'm typically asked more about EBITDA revenue, um, you know, what what products are are are, are moving, um, and I think that um, w- one of the things that like just super interests me um, right now is is just kind of this live streaming dating show, right? Like. I, I think you know people think of live streaming as you know your mother on Facebook live streaming or, or you know live streaming a sporting event for your kid um, or like this kind of low quality streams that have limited audiences for them a non-zero audience but limited and you know I think I'm imagining a world where you know the the next version of the dating show or American Idol the Gong Show these are going to be live streams they're going to be on, on your mobile phone mm. it's not going to be about the the television um, you know it, it, it's it's going to be um, a, a live streaming kind of universe and and I think we're we're at the earliest stages of this still like I I think what we we've only seen kind of live streaming get into social communities in the context of the social communities that already exist, but we haven't really seen live streaming with, with maybe a couple exceptions. Like HQ was kind of an early example of um, like, wow, this is kind of cool. What is, this is like almost like a, a Jeopardy or, you know, kind of Wheel of Fortune thing, but, but, but I can play it and, and maybe win. Like, I, I think that's going to, that's, that's going to, to become much more evolved um, over the next five to 10 years. I love it. Well, um, again, uh, appreciate all time to, to come share with us uh, some of the things that you've learned. Um, would really encourage people to to go to the Google Play Store or go to the iTunes App Store and check out Meet Me. Um, connect with you guys on social uh, and anything else, uh, Jeff, that you put out there for people. No, no. I mean, I, thank you for 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 having us, um, for having me, and uh, you know, I'll, I'll continue to to just be kind of focused on product and and trying to drive you know the ball up a little bit higher. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Okay, thanks, everybody. Well, that's it for the episode. One other thing I wanted to tell you about, if you'll remember the guys from Convoy uh, in episodes back, Ken Free and Trent Mano, I went on one of their CEO trips to New York, and I met a guy named Brent Thompson, very successful entrepreneur. He was former CEO of Jive Communications, big uh, company now, I think three or $400 million. Anyways, he, uh, he started a new company called BlipBillboards.com. I'm super stoked they're a sponsor now. But I, I remember a year and some ago when I met him, I thought it was genius. Instead of having to buy six months or a year's worth of billboard um, for thousands of dollars, you can buy eight seconds at a time for like 10 or 20 cents. You pick what billboard you want it on, what time of day you want it to run. And it just puts so much power in the hands of, of marketers and CEOs who want to try something and see if it works. You can buy as many or as few as you want, change it as many times as you want. Uh, I think now our podcast is being advertised on billboards in like 18 different states because we have these guys as sponsors. We're pretty excited about it. Hope you check out blipbillboards.com. Thanks. Now's the time to find your color, your paint, and everything to get started during red, white, and blue savings at the Home Depot. Transforming your room is easier than ever with the best deals online and in-store. 
you can confidently select your color and the tools for your next paint project. Get a colorful new experience and the right paint for the right price. Save $10 on one gallon and $40 off three and five gallons for a limited time only at the Home Depot. More saving, more doing. Limit 25 gallons per household. See store for details.